In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, what is social engineering? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is social engineering. With me today to do that is Valerie Thomas, Executive Consultant for SecureCon. Valerie, how are you? Pretty well, Tim. How about yourself? I am fantastic. Um, Excellent. So first question, this won't be a surprise to anyone that's listened to the podcast before. What is social engineering? So social engineering in its most basic sense is really an attacker trying to get not necessarily just a user, but a person in general to give them some information so that they would like you know, some kind of information provided, or to perform some kind of action, like maybe opening a infected document uh, to aid an attacker. So they're, they're really trying to get information or some type of action from their target person. And so this is, this can be both like in person, I think, and I think a lot of people kind of identify with the in person, but it can also be electronically. Absolutely. And it can be over, we still have some snail mail scams that go on out there. So it definitely does not have to be just computer or telephone related. So faxes too. I think that's one that's been around. Oh yeah. I, I don't know about you, but we, we still get plenty of those weird faxes in my office. Really? <laughs> we started returning faxes with <laughs> not polite things and then they stopped. So if you still get those, maybe that's that's a good avenue for you to take. Well, that kind of goes along with, um, you know, I think Troy Hunt's done it quite a bit where some scammer will call in over the phone and he'll like, you know, spin up a VM and then just kind of lead them on a little bit. I wish those people would call me. They never call me. It makes me so sad. That you can't use your social engineering superpowers against them? Or I really just want to, to see what I can do with all of that. Um, but they always seem to call folks who who aren't me, uh, who usually go along with what they say. So maybe one day they will call me. Maybe. Uh, so y you said something interesting at, at a very basic level, what social engineering is, which, which is good. Can you explain it in a more complicated way, though? Sure. Um, I've got a truckload of ways and examples of how to explain it. So probably the most common uh, social engineering attack vector that is mainstream these days is email phishing. So some of the more popular ones right now, I'm not sure if you've seen any of these floating around, but uh, there's a, a phishing email that's coming out with a, a video of Prince's last words. And basically inside of the phishing email, it will have a link. Um, and as soon as the user clicks it to see the, the video, it will take them to a, a malicious site it will do almost like a drive-by download uh, where it pushes some malicious code to the host and then it goes on to like a tribute video. So the user still gets their video, not really quite what they wanted, and they're none the wiser that something has happened to their machine. Okay, so so yeah, so that kind of goes back to the... Um the comp kit part. So, so do you deal more with then with electronics of so phishing emails, things like that? Or do you, uh, like how much do you deal with in person type of social engineering? 
So in person, more of like physical, like yeah, yeah, walking like, into a building kind of thing. Yeah. So probably about 30% of my social engineering uh, skills are put to use for what we call physical penetration tests in the consulting world. And it does involve a lot of showing up and trying to blend in with the workforce at that target site and uh, obtaining access to certain certain areas uh, within that organization or that campus. Okay. So, and then is, I, I guess, can you break that out further as far as like percentage wise, what, what some of your other areas is? Cause I, I, and maybe it's not like actual percentages, but you know, you, you said one third of it is, is in person. What's the other, I guess, uh, 66% there. <laughs> We're going to get down to 66%. Huh? <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. You didn't say that math was a requirement to be right. on the podcast. <laughs> I'm <tonight>. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'd say you know a, a good one third of that is is going to be uh, for physical testing that we as a company at SecureCon do uh, as as part of our area of expertise. Um, of the remaining two thirds, we're not going to get too much into fractions. Almost all of that remaining two thirds is phishing or malicious website related. Uh, I almost do phone social engineering more by exception at this point than the rule. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, not because it doesn't work, but it's just that a lot of the the clients aren't comfortable with uh, phone dialogue because they can't they can't predict what the end user or the target might might say, and they can't completely control the script of what I say either. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So is the so so are you do you do you kind of cater what you do as far as social engineering goes with what's happening? So like you said, the phishing emails with prints. Um, do you kind of see people focusing more on that or like the W two stuff now, where uh, an administrator or someone in HR is getting saying you know getting an email and say send send this information to me? Are you so do you kind of cater it to what's happening uh, currently? So if we're doing a phishing assessment that is purely for statistical reasons, uh, to provide our client with uh, a nice baseline of you know, we targeted you know, 50% of your workforce and you know this amount responded to the phishing emails, uh, we'll usually put a mix in there. So we will include some of the emails that, that do revolve around recent events because they do get people's attention. Uh, in addition, we'll also put in some more of what I like to call the the classic emails. Uh, some of those being um, a receipt from Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The subject line is receipt for your iPhone purchase. And the body of the email is actually, it's a very nice looking HTML email that does look like a receipt from Apple uh, with a malicious link buried in there. Um, so we do try to, to cater some to current events, but we also like to include more of your day-to-day messages as well. Right. Well, and so I, I'm being reminded of an incident as you're talking about receipts. Uh, are, do you find that less is actually more effective in, in an email? And I'll throw you an example. We had, we had a phishing email come in that eight people clicked on um, and – what what it was was just like it just said essentially receipt on it. It was like a PDF. They clicked on it, uh, a command box popped up, and then went away. Uh, we found like an executable had been loaded in the temp folder 
Um, and this kind of just, I, I've been reading through the Verizon DBIR for 2016, and they're talking about people like within the first hour clicking, like a lot of people click on that email. And I'm wondering if, you know, with people that have like day to day functions where they're receiving that kind of receipt, are you seeing that kind of stuff uh, like being effective in your testing? To a point, uh, I don't think I've ever tried one with just a generic receipt.pdf kind of attachment. Um, what I do find to be some of the, the most successful are emails that appear to be from human resources. And I'm going to give away a little a little bit of my, my fishing secrets here tonight. Um, probably one of the most successful uh, campaigns that we have done basically is a two-line email from human resources that says, we have updated the vacation and time off policy. Please see the attachment. If you have questions, please contact human resources. And the attachment is you know, updated vacation policy.pdf or .doc or whatnot. And I found that that one has usually at least a 60% success rate of somebody opening that document. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. Everybody likes their time off. <laughs> yeah, you, like you said, the iTunes receipt too. Uh, yeah, anything that kind of, I guess, pulls pulls at the heartstrings of people, certainly. Yeah, well, it definitely has to get attention. And in our day-to-day -day functions, we're very used to getting administrative spam uh, right along those lines. But normally, the administrative spam is not as interesting. So I think if you kind of pepper your email with, things that are very applicable to everyone and not make the mistake of just choosing topics or emails that may only be of interest to a certain group like IT, uh, you're going to get a lot, you know, uh, higher success rate. Okay. So I, I think we've kind of dove, dove into some of the technical, the inner workings of social engineering. Why is it, why is social engineering important? It's important because it works very, very well. If you combine it with technical attacks, it's almost impossible to completely trace it back to its source. And that's what makes it not only important, but a dangerous attack vector. So what makes it important is that we're all humans and we all have a basic human nature. Uh, we want to help people. We are taught the golden rule from a very young age do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. So when we see folks that are in need of something, um, our first reaction or response would be to help meet that need. And that's why social engineering is so successful, is because it plays on us as humans. It's hacking the human operating system, basically. And that can be used for both good and bad, correct? Absolutely. Uh, nobody is immune either, and that's one of the, the key points that I really try to drive home when I go into organizations to help with their security awareness training. If you present the right case from the right person at the right time, almost everybody can be social engineered. Almost. So, so what defenses uh, or what can help mitigate the, the negative effects of social engineering? So I think probably one of the easiest ways to really start to nip social engineering attacks that we all have to take upon ourselves is to just slow down a little bit and think about it. 
would my bank send me an email asking me to click on something if there was a suspicious purchase on my card? Probably not. Is there a way that I can verify this information without clicking or opening documents that are in this email? Well, of course there is. You can contact the bank using the number on the back of your card or the number that you have um, listed on, on the bank's website. So I always try to, to teach users and IT people alike to, to find another avenue of verifying the data that's in that source. So an another area that I've heard about pretty regularly is security awareness training. Is, is that something that you feel is effective? Because there's, you know, within the FSSEC community, there's people that are for it, people, people against it, and, you know, people just take a cynical view about um, you can't, there's no way to, like, really train someone not to click on a link or, uh, you know, respond to email. And we kind of talked about some of the ways that you can effectively get people to click. I mean, even you, yourself, you said you get it, you get clicks like 66% of the time. Correct. So, and like you said, it is kind of a hot button topic in the, in the InfoSec community. Sometimes we forget about it and then we come back to it and <laughs> spark our heated debates back and forth. <laughs> so, you know, security and awareness training is definitely not a silver bullet for anything. Um, just like any other defensive technology out there. So there, there is no defensive piece of technology that will block attacks 100% of the time. So I think it's, it's very unrealistic to expect the same thing, the same result from security awareness training. And where I try to differentiate is, you know, it's definitely part of what you should be doing in your organization as defense in depth. I think the key and where most security awareness programs fail is they're trying to teach their entire workforce, all of their users, to understand email content to the same level that a security person does. And that's not their job. What we need to be focusing on is teaching the folks in accounting, the folks in human resources, just enough to identify something that doesn't look right to just identify the red flags, and then we need to be sure that they're educated on what to do next. What do they do if they see that suspicious email? Do they call the help desk? Do they call the security line? Do they forward it to a spam box? You know, what, what do they do at that point? And I think once you get that process in place and really start to get your users used to doing that, um, it does work very well. I've seen it work very, very effectively at uh, some of my client sites. Yeah, I, I, and I also think communicating, like you said, who do they contact, but even them being able to realize that, oh, I clicked on something I shouldn't have, being able to report that to the right people so that you know something can, some action can be taken, some incident response can be uh, triggered that, you know, like I said, we had an issue where eight people clicked on it. Um, first few people knew that they could call us and we're not going to like get on them or they're not going to get reprimanded for clicking on clicking on something. Um, but they called us and, you know, we were able to handle it and take care of it all within a day. Um, so I think also to your point is is letting them know that it's OK if, if they do click on something and they notice a red flag after the fact that who to contact is important. Yeah, it definitely requires a, a bit of a culture shift. And in some organizations, uh, you know, some of your smaller, more of your startup companies, 
that's going to be a lot easier to influence than some of your larger, uh, more established organizations. You know, culture change takes time. And, you know, we can put processes and procedures in place. We can put technology in place that, that helps us. Um, but this is a human problem. So until we start to really address that at the human level, we're not going to make a lot of progress. Right, right. Well, and, and <laughs> I guess uh, we look at social engineers like a negative thing, but it can be a positive thing. And we're so good at getting them to click the link. But then when it comes to, like you said, training them, uh, we try to teach them from a security perspective versus trying to get it from their perspective or, or what's going to effectively get them trained up on it. Yes. So I actually I have a big section about this uh, in some of the training that I do. I call it social engineering your own. So when you're creating an awareness program and you're, you're trying to figure out how to get folks to pay attention, the, the real key to that is to make it applicable to their lives outside of work. Because the same principles apply, whether you're at work or not. Um, if you make it more about, this is how you protect your bank account. This is how you protect your children's information. I'm going to show you how to, to work with some of the, the security settings on social media so that you can monitor how much access your children have or how much access others have to your child's profile on this game or the social media application. And I found when you make it actionable and very pointed, it gets folks really interested and excited you know, because they have a face to they can talk to about it and ask questions. So I think there's going to need to be a, a culture shift in security as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to get out there and let our users know that you know, we are available. We can help you with certain questions. We can help you with certain things in the company and just kind of educate at a higher level um, so that they're more comfortable with the idea of coming to talk to someone from security. Absolutely. So what resources do you recommend for people that want to know more about social engineering? So there are two fantastic websites for this. The first is social-engineer.org. And that talks all about the social engineering process process, how it works from gathering the right information to putting that into action. So one of the engineering attacks is we don't necessarily as social engineers start out with a specific attack in mind. So when I approach a target company, I don't say, oh, well, I'm only going to do one type of phishing attack with these folks, or I'm only going to do one one phone call. Um, the data that I gather during the whole information gathering phase is really what drives the choice of attack at that point because it needs to be tailored to what kind of data that I need to be able to access their network or whatever the the flag, the goal of that uh, assessment is. So the second one, I was was just checking it. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. Uh, So the second website is uh, a security awareness company called Know Before. So it's the word know and the word be and the number four dot com. They have a really nice blog where they cover uh, scam of the week. And they talk about more recent events and what's floating around out there in cyberspace. Um, They had an article, I think it was uh, last week, on the, the Prince phishing attack. Mm-hmm. And they keep it high enough level so that it, it's 
understandable to folks who aren't necessarily living in the technical world, but it's also very useful for those who have a, a technical background as well. Okay, good. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't already covered? I don't think so. Uh, it's kind of a, a difficult topic to grasp at first, so I found the, the best way to do that is in small chunks. Okay. And what would you like to plug? Uh, so my Twitter handle is hackdress 9 Okay. Well, uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Thank you for joining me to discuss what is social engineering. Absolutely. And that will do it. Hopefully you learned something. If you didn't, drop me a line on Twitter at Timothy D Block. That's D-E-B-L-O-C-K. Or email me at timothy.dblock at gmail.com. Let me know what you didn't learn and we'll cover it in a future podcast. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. If you'd like to donate to the show, check out my Patreon page at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash e-i-s. Have a good one.